Hey everybody and welcome to Drag into Turbo Lasers. This is a Between the Bolter and Me podcast. This is episode 70 and I'm your host Eric Wire and I'm here tonight with my two brothers Adam Wire. Hey everybody. Greg Wire. Hey everyone. And I'm also really excited to have our friend Dave on on here as well who people may know on Instagram by unsupervised darkness or he also has a another kind of handle on instagram called like dave by dave or dave x dave where he has a lot of his cool art and whatnot but yeah hey dave nice to have you here hey thanks for having me yeah it's really nice to have you on here and i guess if people have watched some of um, our streams and such in the past dave has kind of been a regular uh person on there and such and We've been following some of like his artwork and more recently some of his uh, the models and stuff that he's created. And we thought it would be uh, fun to have him on an episode of the podcast here to kind of talk to him about some of his art and how he's kind of got involved in sort of this miniature hobby and kind of how those sorts of two things intersect. And yeah, just sort of his journey as a hobbyist and artist and that sort of thing. But, you know, I guess with that, maybe we can just sort of get right into it. And would you be able to tell us kind of a little bit about yourself and kind of some of the art you do and then how that sort of led into this miniature hobby? Sure. Uh, I've been uh, making models since I was a kid, Um, just cars and, you know, typical teen uh, building stuff. And then... um, Later on, uh, I was I had a career as an illustrator for a number of years at, at a Detroit studio that catered more to advertising and uh, the car industry um, and all the avenues that that led to, so to speak. And then got into greeting cards and working for toy companies like Mattel Toys and Galoob Toys, who did micro machines and oh micro machines i loved <laughs> micro machines and z-bots 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 yeah hell yeah <laughs> that That's brings great. me back and all the star mini uh the action fleet star wars yeah. toys and stuff like that so um it was really amazing to be able to be a part of all that and all the talented people that kind of put all those prototypes and things together. So I got to see everything from resin model prototypes being made to painted and shown mm-hmm. at toy fair and stuff like that. So it was always just a pleasure. Um, so that in general is interesting. Like I imagine like how all of that is, was done back then is probably just so different than like what is done now for like making the different models and prototypes and whatnot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, back when I was working at Mattel, it was basically all done uh, by hand sculpts mm-hmm. and then cast in resin, you know, first in in clay, then a wax yeah. uh, mold was made, and they fine detailed that, and then from that was another resin, and then that went to a painter and cleaned up and made into a doll to go to toy fair and then yeah, and cool. then that same paint master goes to china to be made into the actual product 
So it, I got to see it all from the very beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and work on, with some amazing people and, and projects like redesigning Hot Wheels packaging and Nickelodeon stuff. There was all kinds of stuff that I worked on. It was That's great. That's cool. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite thing that you you worked on while you were with them, or? Uh, well, my first package was uh, Tony the Tattooed Man. <laughs> you'd probably have to do a search to find it because it was. Uh, oh, I I think I found him. <laughs> that was my first first package that I designed and had illustrated and everything yeah oh and is that a, a a toy that you would put on like temporary tattoos and stuff yeah so it came huh. with that little green uh applicator which had a sponge tip on it that moistened the tattoo yeah. on the tony and you could put them on yourself so you could tattoo him tattoo you yeah. <laughs> that's cool that's fun possibilities are endless <laughs> yeah yeah so the, the the marketing aspect of this was tough because it was going up against a a like a thirty six inch stuffed Hulk Hogan doll. Wow. So it had to compete. So I made Tony's face bigger than the dolls, the Hulk Hogan's thing. So imagine a wall of these angry faces looking mm-hmm. at it <laughs> from the toy shelf. So was well if only tony looked like henry rollins and, <laughs> and the amount that you would have sold sure you could put on tat- tattoos on henry rollins searching <laughs> on his back right <laughs> well um throughout when you were kind of working at mattel and some of these things like during that time, did you kind of do some of your own art and stuff as well? Yeah, there was there was times that I I would do just my own models. I would still go for three D. I'd sculpt my own pieces um, and just paint them up and things. So it was nothing like miniatures that mm-hmm. really just. Re- I was just blown away. At first, I was like seeing them on Instagram and how they look giant. You know, they're so well painted, and, and the talent that goes into these things is just obnoxiously brilliant. <laughs> and so, yeah, these are more of my sculptures that are being shown here. This is I more like of the catfish a lot. The oh, toys that I mean. There's the bird with the guitar. Yeah, so those, uh, and just doing, seeing the actual, then going to a hobby store to kind of check it out and seeing how small these things are, I was just like blown away. <laughs> it made it made the talent level go right through the roof for me. I was just like, I'm not worthy. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I know I've, Every time, like even like the even some of the models that like I've built and painted and stuff, most of the time if I ever look at them, it's on like the internet or Instagram or something. And like I still sometimes surprise myself going back and like looking at them, like wow, these are a lot smaller than I remembered. And like I think just in general, 
it's hard to appreciate a lot of what goes into it unless you actually see the real things in like person and stuff. So like there's I feel a lot that can be gained from looking at this looking at the stuff in person really. Well, I think in art in general, sculptures are cool because like the scale is such a major element of them and like the the textures on them and all the the materials used are such like a, a major element to like kind of how you experience it and seeing pictures of it often doesn't convey a lot of that. Like you were saying, Dave, about seeing on Instagram, all these models and seeing they're in fact actually really tiny or like other types of artists, sculptures and such, like how much larger or smaller, like all those scales are so very, so dramatically based on kind of what the artist and stuff is maybe trying to convey. And I think that's, a neat element that and just in sculptures in general that you don't necessarily always get from just a photo but yeah so like yeah on your dave x dave and you have lots of cool watercolors other paintings and stuff as well as a bunch of different sculptures and whatnot there those are they from more like recent developments is that from portfolio you've put together over the years yeah they're more uh just pieces that i've had in in different gallery shows back when i used to do that kind of work and they're i was pretty successful as far as selling selling my work and having a following and things and i just then found Instagram and thought, okay, I'll start putting up some mm-hmm. older stuff and this had become my new website kind of thing. So that was a little bit more viewable, you know, having mm-hmm. people be able to view it and comment and like it or not like it, you know, so. Yeah, no, it's certainly Instagram has made in some sense, like we've talked about it before, but blogs and stuff somewhat obsolete considering how much more accessible and easy it is to do and people are actually on there a lot which is you can connect with people and that sort of thing so like i feel it's it's a good platform for content creators absolutely yeah you have a lot of awesome crows and rabbits (laughs) i like the crows the best this, there's this little one of three of them sitting on a three crows sitting on a branch, like drinking coffee. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, they're, they're they're great. It seems like you could get do some cool stuff for like Age of Sigmar, or like Age of Sigmar twenty eight with some creepy crow like beings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I would love. Well, so actually, Dave. So while you were doing all these sculptures and stuff and working for Mattel and whatnot was like games, workshops, Warhammer stuff. Was that something you were aware of at the time or when did you first become aware of like the miniature war gaming hobby, at least knowing of it, whether you played it or not? I, I would say may, maybe in may. Okay. Yeah. So it's that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. And I, I, that's when I, I got the Hellboy board game. 
Yeah. Was that one of the things that kind of spurned you on to looking into kind of that miniature stuff because of that? Yeah, because it was, I just kind of started research. I'm I'm heavy into researching things and and having Mm -hmm. a reason for, you know, it's like, what is this world that this character lives in? Like, and I saw the content and, and the stories behind Warhammer and I was like, what? is going on here this is cool and then the scale just blew me away of how detailed these little guys were and mm-hmm. but i still you know it's such a vast world that i still don't have my mind wrapped around the whole thing but you yeah. know I, I love the necromunda underhive kind of it's kind of like fifth element and yeah. <laughs> blade runner tied together you know um, no it's certainly true the well, yeah. thing that I that I'm not too into in the uh, games workshop stuff is just it's almost too detailed, too much. It's over the top. Everything's up to eleven. It's not. There isn't any subtlety about it, and I think that's part of the scale. And we're talking about you know like the legs and the feet being big, and I think it's the proportion and everything is just because out of the gameplay that you've got a bunch of big thumbs and fingers coming down and moving those things around, that they've got to be pretty sturdy little guys. Well, no, I mean, it's true. And, like, I mean, over the years, like, they've really started to change a lot of that. Like, if you look at some of the older miniatures, like, their swords and stuff, like, now and the plastic swords and stuff are very, very thin. And I think it sort of depends on, like, they're obviously marketing a lot of the stuff as their pieces to be used to play games and stuff. So, like, that itself is sort of inherently different, like, what what they're trying to create. Um, they have different parameters and guidelines they're trying to fulfill. And so, like, other people like us, like, a lot of the stuff that we're making, like... Maybe they'll be used in a game like once, if at all. So like some of those things don't don't necessarily matter as much. Some of Games Workshop's newer stuff, like with the Age of Sigmar Warcry models, lots of them are like really big and crazy poses with like thin whips that are like very yeah. very easy to break. No, so, I mean right. they've. They've gone to the extremes. Like a lot of, yeah, as you said, the war crime models have really thin spears and chains and stuff that, like, you almost just look at them and they're broken. For Games Workshop, of all their sculptors, my favorite sculptor is uh, has always been Brian Nelson. And he, I think, is always very good at kind of sort of like drawing a line between like simplicity and complexity and like a lot of the sculpts and stuff he he's he does there's always a lot of detail and stuff in them but the balance of that is often a lot better and oftentimes the models sort of come across as looking pretty simple compared to like some of the other ones but like he has a great sense of like composure and how to kind of like achieve like a general feeling or something well because i think yeah as you're saying dave yeah as the models sometimes they just try to cram too much too much detail and stuff on there that they can sometimes can look a little cluttered 
it's almost just like, oh, we want this to look cool. Like we want to impress people with our ability to sculpt or create these models. And it kind of maybe doesn't necessarily add that much to them. (laughs) Right. To like also now that there's so much 3D printing and stuff, since you're designing it on a computer, you can make stuff super fine but that doesn't necessarily mean it will actually like print well right yeah i mean that's the thing is that it's got to stand on its own kind of a thing with a a base you know the Mm -hmm. balance has to be right and stuff and i think that game workshop has a lot of animation to their sculpts it's just like and i think that you know just listening to the podcast and and youtube here is that the feeling i get is that it's i'm all for the realism of the figures and and how does that really relate to the gameplay and what is this world that they live in and you know mm-hmm. are they really taking all this stuff off to use the restroom kind of a thing yeah. <laughs> to, you know and to to just put it into more of a realistic realm of of how how are these guys really performing and moving until i i did see which was kind of an, a revelation for me was a video or from a game i guess there was a video game of uh 40k oh like dawn of war and like space marine they've made a bunch of video games over the years right yeah so i was just wondering that kind of answered a lot of questions as far as like visualizing how these guys would move and, mm-hmm. and be in the in that world and with the jetpacks on and how they <laughs> fly around well, I mean, and burn, burn to themselves yeah. to death. You know? Well, so it's often interesting. Like, I mean, it's hard. Like, if you go and, like, look at, like, Space Marines and stuff and Space Marine armor, for instance, like, oftentimes a lot of the different armor designs will often they kind of look right in just that single static pose that you have um but then as you think more about it like now if they were actually like moving around could they really do that could they actually like shoulder their weapon could they like and so like there's a lot of stuff that you kind of just don't think about even like the newer Necromunda models, like some of their like armor and stuff where like their thighs like attached to their like waist and stuff. Some of the placement of the like armor plating is just so weird to the point where like they probably really couldn't move around in it for the most part and just like a passing glance at it. It's like, Oh, that looks great. Like, yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. There's, so there's a lot of stuff that you could consider and think about. And I feel oftentimes it's just kind of like what you as like an artist really want to do with whatever you're working on. Like if that's important to you, great. If it's not, like that's fine too, really. It took the three of us 15 years to realize that regular space marines have really wonky anatomy. Sure, <laughs> we, sure we realized that the terminators had wonky anatomy and that their shoulders were at their ears but somehow <laughs> it took us years to r- realize that you know what these regular space marines don't have abdomens and now it's all we talk about 
<laughs> yeah, true. we're talking about it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. The the thing is, is that I, I I see that point of view, but at the same time, they're so small that they look great at five feet away from you or whatever the mm. metric is for that. But you know, so you're and you can identify everybody, and mm-hmm. then. But I'd still like to understand the whole rim lighting everything and outlining things and i think that it it's like to show off the gw sculpt or is it to i don't know just drive you crazy trying to oh yeah i think that 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 is a good point because i think a lot of the newer models i think they're always well painted on the box art and such but i feel oftentimes like it's they have a prompt that they want to do this the finest edge highlighting on everything um sometimes choosing like color schemes that maybe aren't even that flattering but they really show off look at all this chain mail and look at all these little fuses and all this stuff just so like you you're certain that you like you see all this stuff that's in there Whereas then the moment you see someone paint them, like maybe say convert something or paint it an ink 28 like setting and it's painted a little bit darker and they don't do quite all of that often, at least in my view, ends up looking a little bit better because they're not accenting every little tiny thing that you wouldn't really be able to see. I feel like for most of the time, like if you have like a model, like there are certain areas that you want to try and draw the viewer's attention to and so like you don't necessarily always have to you might spend more time painting like the face or whatever such that that's kind of where you're drawn into and so like you don't so yeah i don't know there are a lot of things to consider and think about and but it's i i I really love you know some of the my heroes on instagram are are you know, the guys that really take it to an extreme as far as realism goes and, and having all the textures and patinas and mm-hmm. just the wear and tear of real battle kind of gear. It's it's kind of like going back to, like, okay, here's Star Trek and all the, all the Trek stories and, and space and everything was so clean and spotless mm-hmm. and everything. And then Star Wars came along. <laughs> and... I was yeah. just like, the Rebel Alliance, you know, it's like, don't they have a power washer or something? Yeah. You know, it's like... <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate, you know, I just found uh, a fellow that you might know. It's uh, He goes by Eerie Key, E-R-Y-K-E-Y. You can call him up. And he does yeah, the most yeah, yeah. amazing detail i mean you know there's the real broken fingers there's dark mm-hmm, talk, mm-hmm. there's you know yeah, totally there's... not panicking all those guys are doing like super creative kit bashes and conversions that are just crazy but i mean some of these things are just those are not miniatures those are like full-size dudes no, yeah, like the amount of attention to detail and weathering and OSL and all these different things to just make it look real is, is pretty incredible. Yeah, he, he freehanded that shield. 
I mean, yeah, it's little Al. <laughs> it's awesome. You know, that's so cool. You know, and then on top of it, there's all the edge mm. distress, you know, patina and everything that's on there. So it's it's just really wonderful. This is this is art to me. I mean, this is these are miniature paintings and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I think that gets. I think for everything about this hobby, like it is such a, a diverse hobby that it can be like you literally you want to put these together as gaming pieces just you know, to play a particular game or it can be something like as like an art form and you want to kind of express yourself do all these conversions and experiment with painting styles and like weathering and all these things to convey sort of a mood or an idea mm-hmm. and things such that i feel it's, it's certainly a kind of a continuum between like whether it's just like a hobby or like going towards more of like an art form. And I think that's kind of is interesting how it, this miniature hobby can kind of encapsulate all that stuff. Yeah. It's uh, that that's what also kind of turned me on to the whole aspect of it is that there's something to do with these once you've paint them. Mm-hmm. You can play a game with them. You can, you know, create stories around them. There's a whole world that that is available. It's like, you know, more time, you know, seems to be a, even based on one thing, but it's been elevated into this other subculture that's not even supported anymore, but mm-hmm. except for by fans. And that's how I, you know, found Anna's work. Mm-hmm. Just I, I was just kind of like all the terrain and everything that people were putting together was so fantastic. And my father was into doing miniature buildings and miniature railroad mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. buildings and stuff like that. And, and creating little storylines around little villages that he'd put together. And so I was kind of into that, but he was so way better than I was at, <laughs> at actually doing I mean, we'd go back and forth and riff off of each other, but he he just had a sense of, and I think it was just that he had been doing it for longer than me and <laughs> what to do. <laughs> yeah, you could do it if you said yeah. you wanted to. Yeah. yeah. And I feel just the longer you're doing anything, like I know like we've been making models and painting stuff for, I don't even know how long now, like 15, 20 years or something. Yeah. It's certainly over 20. Yeah, like, we'll say 20 just to make it easy. But it's like, so like, certainly our, my goals and like what I was trying to achieve and interested in have changed so much over the years. So, and I kind of, I think it's in that sense, it's kind of neat that there is a lot of room for essentially anyone coming into it to like, essentially really do whatever you want with it whether again you're trying to play like the game or you're using it as a way to like express yourself as kind of like an art form i'm i certainly very much value that um i guess it i think it's kind of neat that you mentioned that the mantics hellboy game and maybe even like hate and some of these kickstarter board games and 
is actually like kind of been an avenue for people to kind of get in the miniature wargaming and converting hobby and such. And I think that is something that probably a, a lot of people are now kind of getting exposed to it because of that. And I think that's kind of a, a neat thing to hear. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's such a a value. I mean, f- admittedly, I had extreme sticker shock and the the price of everything. <laughs> oh um, yeah, but yeah. It, but you know, it's like because I started out with Hellboy, and that was I think a hundred and seventy dollars at a comic store that I I bought mm-hmm. it at. And uh, a buddy of mine turned it on. He's like totally into board games, like yeah, nuts. Cody, thank you for getting <laughs> me into this, you know. But um, you know, spending a hundred and seventy-five dollars on on a board game that comes with everything that you need, and then mm-hmm, you yeah. paint the figures, you get hours of pleasure out of painting the figures, and then you you go to Games Workshop, and it's like thirty-five dollars for. For ten guys, or forty dollars, you know, or thirty-five dollars for one guy, depending on the detail. Yeah, it, it can be hard to. <laughs> They're not assembled. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have the rules or like the capacity to right. uh, play anything. Yeah, so it's 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 something. Yeah, but it's... I mean, they're, they're it's cool, and I think that that's what's appealing to me is like seeing what everybody's doing with the kits you know it comes with so much extra mm-hmm. stuff as far as a single kit comes with yeah 10 guys but then you've got all these extra parts that you can customize each guy it's not you know having mm-hmm. you know like a box of army men or something like that it's they're really interesting cool figures yeah no certainly well i guess with your um kind of experience in like the creating toys and such and doing like your own sculptures and paintings and whatnot. Like how does that kind of influence your more recent work on models and such? And how does that sort of translate into those things? And now that you start, you know, assemble and paint some of these models that are, as you kind of mentioned, so small, like, yeah, like how do those all kind of equate together? I think it, it just took me a, a while to get used to the scale because um, I was always really into the scale aspect of it and having like on the hate stuff I was surprised that the larger 50 millimeter mm-hmm. figures that you see in the on my Instagram on my Instagram yeah it uh the little skulls are the same size as the 8 mil or the 28 millimeter guys so it's like really kind of completes the scale aspect mm-hmm. of it. You know, a lot of these things, like the scale's all out of whack as far as, <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've talked about that on, on, you know, other episodes of your show. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, having having giant robots that are destroying all these guys and they're way out of scale. and mm-hmm. <laughs> That... Only somewhat related was one of the things. So Fantasy Flight Games released a miniature game like with X-Wings and TIE Fighters. So a Star Wars miniature game. And like maybe the most appealing thing about that game to me was that they made sure everything was scaled properly. Yeah, and once you have the scale down, it's you just 
can run with it and you're you're relating to the paint jobs relate to each other um you know the rust corrosion and all that kind of stuff all goes together and the dioramas i mean the, some of these guys are putting the same you know like grass that looks normal on a giant robot you know for the diorama and then they put it next to the <laughs> the figure and it's like it should be up to his waist yeah you know? yeah yeah you know so everything's kind of not not in scale and it's just a pet peeve. Yeah, I feel GW has certainly gotten a little bit better with some of their scale stuff and keeping stuff consistent. But then again, like their Necromunda stuff, since it's a specialist game, isn't always the same. It's so different. So and different. the fact, I guess the fact that they've been creating them for like 30 years and different people sculpt them, different design teams, mm-hmm. like it's changed so much over the years that it's just, it's all out of whack even even with the more of a concerted effort yeah um when like painting some of the miniatures and such like what sort of paints have you started to use and have you tried have you considered using any of like the other paints you've used for some of your other pictures or um paintings and stuff in like a miniature con like contact yeah, yeah so the uh, i Use primarily scale seventy five is my kind of go to because it's so matte and I love mm-hmm. the, just the matteness and you know I was watching some videos and people were saying it's it's not easy to use and you might not like it and I'm like it seems fine to me and yeah. <laughs> and and those I have to you know mail order yeah that. Uh, buy online which yeah and i started out with uh vallejo just because the game hobby shop that um i would have access to that's what they sell so between those two and then i just started i bought a few tubes of uh this oil paint which we can't none of us can like a a pylon or something like there, it's a German company, right? Well, yeah, right. I think it's German, or it looks like it should be based They're, on the same. It's Spain, actually, I think these are affiliated with Scale Seventy Five. Oh, really? Okay, huh? Might be the same company. If, you, if you're listening, if you're listening, just do a search for uh, an oil paint as five zero two. For modeling oil paint, yeah. Yeah, I think like up tiling five zero two. Yeah, like I feel there. I think a lot there maybe there's at least somewhat popular for like scale modeling and tanks and things like that. But like, yeah. there, it's like an oil paint, so they're certainly very applicable to our sort of space marines and whatnot. Um, I've heard, I mean, uh, admittedly, I haven't really worked too much with oil paints of any capacity, but I've heard the Abtilung paints have, like, the the pigment grind is, like, really, really fine, and that that is one nice aspect of them, and that maybe they don't have as much, like, linseed oil that's often in, like, kind of canvas sort of oil paints, but Mm -hmm. having not really worked with them or 
more traditional oil paints for like canvas painting. I can't really speak to that. Yeah. So they're also supposed to be um, low in the linseed oil. They're, they have, yeah, they have uh, high pigment color content to mm. low oil content. Mm, so they okay. probably dry faster. Yeah, they dry faster. You're, you use white them. So yeah. you can paint them right over, like base coat everything like you yeah. normally would with, with acrylics. acrylics. Yeah. yeah, and then I have to try this. Is that then you can put on your like a varnish, like a mm-hmm. matte varnish, mm-hmm. and then go back over it with with more oil paint, or you can go back over it with acrylics once it's dried. Yeah, so like I've used the the oils and stuff that I've used. I primarily use them for like weathering and stuff because and like I've talked about I think this before on other streams and podcasts and stuff but it's nice like once you apply like a little of it with an oil then you can go back with like one of the thinners or whatnot and it's much easier to control and remove like unwanted paint like if you're trying to paint using like acrylics and stuff like once you've painted over something like if you add too much paint like getting that off is almost impossible but with the oils you have a a longer window where you can easily remove and create like transitions of colors and stuff with them a lot easier so they're great for that and i've thus far i've never i've not really tried to like use them as like the sole painting like the sole paint to paint a model but i mean that could be interesting too yeah i was hoping to try doing that also but um i'm totally into the weathering and using pigments and i think Mm -hmm. wartsylvania just mentioned that they make some great pigments i'm I'm into those but another paint company that i've been using is uh ak interactive yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they make a lot of that stuff as well. Yeah, they make some amazing ready right out of the tube mm-hmm. kind of weathering stuff that's just fantastic. Yeah, they have a lot of nice like enamels and which almost they seem basically like just like the oil paints, but they're all, almost like just pre-thinned. And you can Mm -hmm. still apply them and then use white spirits or like odorless thinner to like kind of work with them more and thin them and do better like transitions and whatnot. Well, so this is like getting back to something you mentioned earlier. You said like the scale 75 paints were some of the initial ones that you were going to and using. And I know for me, like I've over the past maybe two or three years i've started to use a lot of their paints as well and i also really like them mainly because of as as you said how matte they are and i know like when i first started painting it was all painting warhammer 40,000 models and so at the time really the only paints and stuff i used were games workshop paints and back then which was around like the second edition of the game, so a long time ago. They they had a lot of what they called like washes and like chestnut ink and like other stuff like that. And I remember one of the things that I always struggled with 
was like kind of trying to remove all the shine that all the paints had. But, but yeah, I so like, like I remember <laughs> like what I almost wanted most out of any paint was for it to be matte. Like I like almost despise like so much of the stuff like so many of like the paints and other stuff like I'd be using they all have more of a sheen and a shine to them that like was never really what I was like looking for and like I've tried like there are lots of things like different companies make like matte mediums and stuff that you can mix into your paints and then you can add other like um like matte varnishes and stuff to help and I really needs to be said the scale like the scale 75 scale color paints are so much more matte to begin with than a lot of the other like paint ranges and stuff so if like that's if that's something that it interests you like they're very much worth looking into yeah i feel i would much prefer something to just be matte to begin with and if i need if i want to add like a shine to it like a satin or like a gloss like i feel i can add that later something that i've discovered is that if you want to add a bit of a sheen to something is you can mix a null oil or one of the citadel uh, shades and stuff more of their washes you know like mm-hmm. null oil or if you mix a little bit of that into it it'll add a little kind of mm. a satin finish to the what you're putting mm. down yeah yeah well they even have a gloss version of most of their shades yeah that exactly. i guess it's yeah. even more <laughs> shiny but i've certainly found that working with all the gw shades if you don't shake them up enough which admittedly even their contrast paints are like this they have some like uh, medium or something in there to help make it such that it is a little bit more matte. And if you don't shake them up, the contrast paints or the shades, you can often get ver- pretty variable results in which mm-hmm. like they'll be super shiny or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I feel it's something you have to be I've, careful I've with. Fell into that one. Yeah. <laughs> which admittedly the sister of battle that I've been painting and such like the red is kind of shiny and i think it looks like kind of nice for their armor because it has like almost like a slight lacquered look to it but in most in a lot of circumstances if it wasn't supposed to be like that like i wouldn't like it yeah Yeah. it's just not the effect that you might be looking for i mean you can certainly tone it down but it can be hard wartsylvania just wrote uh we might have just convinced him to buy the <laughs> the, the whole the whole paint range. Yeah, that's I, that was my dream, and then I I was like too I, too worried that I was going to be like oh, this no. isn't for me, and I'm just spent three hundred dollars on the sixty five <laughs> paint set. Yeah, but since then I've already you know probably surpassed that by buying individual, individual ones. Well, yeah, so. That, I guess, sort of brings up, like, another thing with, like, paints. Like, more recently, like, I've probably over the past two or so years, I've taken, I really like just buying, like, different 
all the different companies like Scale 75, Vallejo, and whatnot. They just have different paint sets for painting different things like wood and leather or like gold or silver. The whole black and white paint set. Yeah, like a black and white paint set. And sort of really like those because like if you get like one for like vegetation or something like there are a whole range of different greens with like different hues and maybe some browns and stuff and it's a good way to kind of get like a very a good starting point or a base to play around with different colors and shades because i know like I feel when I first started painting, one of the things was it's like, oh, I need to paint this green. And then you'd go to the hobby shop and it's like, okay, well, this green looks okay. And you'd buy like two green paints and you'd get back and you'd start painting with them. And it's like, you know what? This really isn't even close to what I was wanting or what I think I wanted. So like I often find like if I'm just at a shop trying to buy like random paints, I invariably like never get what I actually want <laughs> and um, a lot of the yeah. different paint sets kind of they kind of help circumvent that a little they also since they're curated by other like artists and stuff like that kind of just in general helps so yeah a lot of the Vallejo ones will have like a little pamphlet that will kind of talk about like how they painted a particular thing and like the different combinations of the different paints in the set or how they diluted them and this and that, which can be pretty helpful. So scale 75 has like a black and white paint set, which I, and I think Vallejo has them as well. And that was one of the ones I was most interested in because just painting both blacks and whites in general can be pretty hard and there's just like a huge range in like what you could use to get a black or like a white effect and it's certainly very interesting like if you get the the black paint from scale 75 and paint a little of that on like a palette or something and then just pull out all your other blacks from like games workshop from Vallejo, one of the many Vallejo blacks they make, and they're just all very, very different. And then if you pull out like black 2.0 or black 3.0, sample or whatever, ultra black paint, like, and just if you compare all of them, they're just all so different. They can really, you could really use a lot of that to kind of create interesting effects i don't know it's just i think it's fun to experiment with and i know like sort of one of the common things like you just hear all the time like man like black super hard to paint well and like i for the most part i would agree with that and so in many regards i almost think you could probably do a pretty good job of painting like a black model by just getting all of the different black paints you can find from different ranges and combining them together, you could probably make that work. Yeah, uh, there. The thing with blacks is even even in like fine art painting and things. There's there's a, a lamp black, a, a Mars mm-hmm. black, you know, jet black. So just in those threes, you've got different tones and intensities, and mm-hmm. one's cool, one's warm, one's you know just neutral black. Mm-hmm. But 
really nothing. It it's if you're looking at it as you look at a black object, it's reflecting so much, even if it's matte, is reflecting yeah. the light. So it's you're only using it in in bits and pieces, or even just to tone down other colors to make it appear to be black. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. using it straight black is is really it's it is difficult because it it's lacking any kind of character. So mm -hmm. I think that's that's what a lot of the the pro painters or the you know guys that are into experimenting is just pushing pushing that kind of a thing. It's like use the color of the room, the highlights and the it's a mm -hmm. whole light theory kind of a thing. So you're bringing that aspect into it opposed to you know trying to add black shadows in you're you should be adding light start start dark and lighten up mm -hmm. you know so well i guess related to that for a long time like how i painted everything literally everything it was always i started with black it was always black and then would highlight up from that to whatever color i'd want to do like always and like i feel that in itself yeah can kind of create some interesting like effects and ideas and stuff i mean you have to be careful if you do that like you might never like achieve the overall color you were trying to achieve because too much of whatever you were painting is too dark so like there's a, <laughs> there's a lot to kind of work with and play with really but there's there's a i mean I mean, if you're painting, wanting to go to, you know, like if you were painting the sisters in their white, say it, white armor, mm -hmm. um, you you could prime it in a gray, yeah, and and then work work in some of the shadows first, kind of sketching it in as far as lights and darks, mm -hmm. and then go from there as far as how you're you're going to be creating it but you know where your shadows are going to be right off the bat it's kind of like the zenithal or mm -hmm. like highlighting and stuff the yeah. highlight when you're painting you're you can do that with a rattle can or an airbrush and yeah it's a good starting point because it's kind of you've got your shadows already put in there you don't have to go back in and then you can just start right on top of that mm -hmm. um adding in your colors it's it's pretty every every figure that i do every mini it's it's always a learning experience for me because it's just so new and i'm a really just have to remind myself to just push it don't you know what would happen if i did this color you know <laughs> with yeah, this no. color you know it's like not i'm not using any kind of a guide for any of the stuff that I'm painting. It's just mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, seeing other, other people's work. And it's, of course I, I'm not like having that on my computer while I'm painting or anything like that. It's, it's more like just registered in your brain and then, and then go from there and you then create your own look and style. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Actually, Ward Sylvania asks if there are any scale 75 paint sets that we'd recommend. So, 
Both of their metallic ones are pretty good. They have one for gold and one for silver. And the 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 neat, the best thing about those two sets is just they have an extreme range of darks like dark and light like golds and silvers and coppers and like other different colors so like they're great more recently as i was talking about this like the black and white paint set that scale 75 makes i really like that it kind of it like they have a pretty big range of grays and browns and whites and stuff and like all of those they can you can kind of like force you to realize that you can create whites and blacks with like a pretty big range of colors just based on how you do them. So those are the main ones that I've used a lot. In many regards, I feel like if there's something you know that you're going to be painting, like you know there are gonna be a lot of like browns or whatnot or greens or, I would just buy whatever, like a set of whatever color that was kind of force you and see like oh you know what there are a whole there's a whole range of like colors and hues and stuff that you could play around with yeah the there i haven't tried their metallics um i'm trying to wean myself off of <laughs> metallics because the hate figures are basically all just chain and <laughs> and armor so I'm trying to think of it in a different way of maybe painting these all matte and using different different color combinations and then leading that into having a, a little bit of metallic on like the edges where the paint's chipped off or yeah, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. the patina's been rubbed off because it's been battered with yeah. a hammer or something like that. But um, with the scale color you get uh eight eight different colors per set so my recommendation is that you get a color range that you want like like uh adam was saying that the the non-metallic paint sets are really nice because they have a lot of darks to lights Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and that that way and you can use them i mean i use primarily like for even for flashes like this gray color mm-hmm. and, and you mix a little bit of green in there and it surprisingly makes a great flash for like kind of semi undead or yeah, yeah. you know un, unhealthy skin <laughs> um which seems to work on, a great on any any games workshop figures or like these hate figures are are mm-hmm. crazy but back to blacks it, another thing you could do is put down a black and then use like a uh, Games Workshop Citadel wash over it, like a null oil or they've got blues and greens and all these other things. And that would tone it down so it mm-hmm. actually creates kind of a sheen over it and, it, and gives like any metallic, any black can become a metallic look to it. Like yeah, it's, yeah. So it's it's all about experimenting the shit out of, <laughs> you know, and just trying stuff just out of the blue and say, yeah, that looks great, or I'm not going to do that one again. Yeah. It's like anything else, you know. It's like food, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you 
you know, put ketchup on a hot dog just for the kicks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, I guess maybe we've been uh, at this for a little while. Maybe we could wrap it up soon and kind sure. of with that in mind, what do you think you're going to be working on next, Dave? Like, is there any series of particular models you're excited to kind of paint or work on or something you're excited to try? In that vein, did you paint the Hellboy models? Uh, I started them. Okay. Um, I haven't posted them because they were like the first things that I started <laughs> painting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be posting those soon. I want I've I've done some. Got a box of them somewhere here. No, it's the gorilla, the zombie, yeah. like gorilla dude or whatever you'd say. Right. Yeah, that's that's cool. From what I recall, the, the Hellboy models were pretty cool looking. Yeah, I feel like they're, and it's neat that they're more akin to the Magnola artwork and such. Right, they did a really nice job with a skull. Are all like the BPRD members, like, did they make them too? Yeah. So there's Liz Sherman and Abe and... Kraus, or was that his name? Yeah, Klaus. Um, Was was one Roger? What's the name of the uh, ESP guy? Yeah. Or one's like uh, the homunculus. Yeah, oh, that's Roger. That's Roger. Roger and Lobster Johnson. <laughs> yeah. So many cool characters. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of. Is there a Wendigo? Did they make them all of the Wendigo? No. They've uh, got Baba Yaga. Yeah. 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 On a big tail. Yeah. So, yeah, those are, uh, they're screaming to be painted with. <laughs> um, but the thing uh, you guys kind of got me going on the uh, on the GW Games Workshop figures and uh, just the kit bashing that was so much fun doing that figure I was just like blown away Bone Reaper the Bone Reaper yeah mm. that's yeah is, is certainly a fun aspect of the miniature hobby in particular with games workshop since they have such a wealth of models there's a lot of freedom to do like kit bashes and whatnot to kind of sort of explore the stuff you're interested in yeah so like that's always pretty nice yeah so um I'm, i want to you know just to keep the interest going there's like over a hundred over a hundred uh, hate figures. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Have you read the graphic novel, the hate graphic novel? Yeah, yeah. Is it good? Yeah, it's really. It's minimal text. It's mostly yeah. illustration. It's all black and white uh, paintings. You know, the game kind of falls short as far as the world that you know. There's there's dragons and all kinds of architecture that isn't in the game. Mm-hmm. It's more just a straight-up skirmish game. The storyline is great. So when I was when I'm painting those figures, I'm really thinking about the environment that they're they're living okay. in. Yeah, like, like that uh, Grok, the guy with his arms out. He, you know, he's not an indoor guy. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> he's, he's 
he's going to be showing a lot of rust and, and wear and tear and dirt on his skin. And yeah, I try and just kind of think of him that way opposed to, you know, just straight up, you know, okay, this is this guy, this game figure. And this is, you know, his role there. I try and give him a little bit more character and put him rust, rusted and yeah, some of yeah, these yeah. guys might be able to take care of their armor a little bit more but you know no yeah i think certainly putting that sort of thought and consideration into the painting and such it all always helps you know convey an idea and whatnot yeah even with these guys uh you know there's limitations to the factory injection molding of of these mm-hmm. things so you know just like seam lines and stuff are natural you take those off but then there's things like i added the chains and the skulls to this mm-hmm. figure here mm-hmm. uh to tundor so it's just kind of like cutting taking these and customizing them and basing them yeah and giving them you know adding the story to them individually you know so no that, that i think helps add a lot of life and character to the models yeah, and so those are Games Workshop skulls that I just mm-hmm. uh, okay. used some green stuff and and kind of followed how the other characters have some of them strung together like yeah. that. And, yeah, looks good. Looks really good. And this guy's kind of a, <laughs> a sample room of armor. I mm-hmm. think that he's he's collected a lot of armor off of mm-hmm. a lot of dead enemies, and he's just. Yeah, this works, you know, and so <laughs> he's not too thematic as far as colors go or anything like that. Yeah, well, now he looks good, and like I'm excited to see some like more of the models painted and some additional like the Hellboy stuff, and also yeah, maybe some more Games Workshop stuff. Yeah, well, I guess yeah, maybe we should wrap this up and yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it has been really nice having you on here and chatting about kind of your experience and like art and at Mattel and just coming into the miniature hobby. It's always good to get hear other people's perspective. Um, and certainly if anyone isn't following Dave, to give him a follow at uh, unsupervised underscore darkness and Dave X Dave, which we'll put puts those uh, in like the the sort of the comments or the description below. Mm-hmm. If you're not, but certainly, oh, I um, appreciate it. Yeah. With that said, do you have any kind of uh, final comments, Dave? Uh, just push it. Don't don't say say this is done. It's never done. Just because you'll you'll look back on it and say. I could have done this. <laughs> still can. <laughs> no, so, that's true. And just ex- experiment, you know, with anything. You know, it's like finding finding techniques on YouTube is there's, and you can make them your own. You don't have to follow them exactly because those guys just found it the same way that <laughs> you're finding it. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I feel it's just constant the whole thing is constantly a learning process so like you can always improve and consider how to improve the next model or maybe even improve one that you'd worked on previously but i mean i'd I'd love to you know take one of those you know a tra- tutorials of you know like an actual live training of painting and stuff mm-hmm. like that just to 
see if there's anything that I can I can get out of it. But even then, that's that guy's technique, not yeah. So, now so you're that's... taking little. It's like reading a book. You get part of the story, but then you read another book, and it's like <laughs> you know, takes yeah. from everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, again, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. It was great talking with you. Um, and yeah, maybe we can have you on again sometime. It'd be fun to kind of hear your progress and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'd love it. Yeah, thanks. All right. Yeah, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Over and out. Night.